Hey, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. And today on show number 99, I'm talking with Julie Pyatt, co-author of the soon-to-be-released book, The Plant Power Way, along with her husband, Rich Roll. And this is a special Monday edition of the Plant Yourself Podcast because I have two interviews to get to you this week. The first uh, is today's with Julie, and tomorrow... Uh, my 100th anniversary podcast is with Rich Roll himself, which is really fitting. And it worked out totally accidentally because Rich is really the person who was instrumental in helping me raise my own podcast game and get serious about it and publish on a schedule and write it up and put it out there on iTunes and all that. So it's coming full circle. And Rich and Julie both talk about this new book and about their life experiences that led to it and the, their experience of, of writing it and really sharing their stories, their lives, and their children's lives and experiences with the world in their mission to help people fulfill their potential and become their best selves. So it's kind of interesting to to get the two different perspectives. They certainly uh, weave together harmoniously, but they're certainly different too. So today's guest, as I mentioned, is Julie Pyatt, who is the cook, the chef, the kind of creative inspiration um, behind Rich's transformation and behind the way their family eats and lives. And so without further ado... Julie Pyad, welcome back to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thank you, Howard. So happy to be back. Yeah, well, I'm I'm happy you're back with this book. Um, <laughs> so it's called The Plant Power Way, and you wrote it with your husband, Rich Roll. And I, I have to admit, I got it yesterday, so I have not made all the recipes. <laughs> I, I, I would guess you would not make that in a day. <laughs> so in, in fact, I haven't made any of them, but... Uh-huh. I have looked at all the pictures, yeah, and so I have I, I have like a you know my my pecking order of what I'm going to make first, second, and third, and Yay. and it's it's just gorgeous. These are Aww. beautiful and and they seem very accessible too. Like I, I I was thinking, oh gee, I don't even have to go out and buy stuff. <laughs> like it's all yeah, that's cool, that's great, that's fantastic. Yeah. So. Um, the first thing that struck me was um, in Sanjay Gupta's um, very sort of uh, warm and generous preface. He says that this book will help you become a better version of yourself, which mm-hmm. I thought was a fabulous phrase. And I'd love to, to kind of hear your take on, you know, the goal of the book from your perspective. Is 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 that it? Is that part of it? I think that's it. I mean, I think that, you know, ultimately, um, the best way that we can be of service is to, you know, assist other people in finding out how to live their best authentic life. And food is really the first step to really get in, getting in touch with your soul, with what you were really created to express here while you're in this short life. So, and we all know that if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. So, it's very, very, it, it is the central core. So it's, you know, it's, it's nutrition, but nutrition is only the very first, um, you know, portal. It's just the beginning of finding, you know, deeper and deeper layers of yourself. And um, we, uh, we are so honored to uh, receive such a beautiful, um, just blessing from Sanjay. Um, it, it's just a, a beautiful, um, letter of support for us. And, uh, he's been an amazing, 
uh, support and uh, kind of inspiration for us in our own journey. Yeah, it's great when uh, when folks in positions of such influence um, are, are the right people. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I mean, the way that we met him, he was the first one who picked up Rich's story. So, um, you know, he came, uh, did a profile piece on Rich and then actually came to our home and I was able to cook for him. So he arrived with his producers and, and Danielle at the time, his, his producer and, and cameramen, and they walked in and I made, I think I made, uh, the vegan lasagna that's in the book. So it's a, I think I just call it lasagna in the book, but it's the, it's the one with all the kids preparing it. So I made that for him and I can't remember what else, but anyway, he, he loved it, and he um, he conti- he continues to support us, and we feel extremely blessed uh, to have him in our lives. That's great. That's that's like an anthropologist going native, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I know. <laughs> From reporting yeah. to joining the tribe. Well, and the other thing that he said to me that day, it was the first time that I met him, and and uh, he told me that I reminded him of his mother in India. So I took that as a, a wonderful uh, compliment. So <laughs> that's great. Um, so in, in, in the, in your own introduction to the book, you talk about, you know, your, your journey, Rich's journey, and you talk about um, the fact that you guys engaged in this as a public service with, with transparency and vulnerability. <laughs> and, and I know, a little bit about oversharing. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and I'm curious, like I can, there's lots of ways in which clearly being transparent and vulnerable has helped lots of people. So they can see that you guys aren't some avatars of perfection, that you have struggles, that you have lives like them. I'm wondering if they're, right. um, you know, how t- being transparent and vulnerable has affected you guys in terms mm-hmm. of positive and possibly some negatives where you maybe you said, gee, not, let's not do that again. Yeah. Well, um, let's see. I would say that, uh, we were, um, at, I call it, uh, I call it a dismantle. We were being dismantled at such a level where, um, really what it is, is it's a spiritual process where all of your sort of physical structures start to be uh, deconstructed around you. Um, and it's this uh, this sort of, in our case, seven-year period with a bookend of a year at the beginning and a year at the end of just standing in the fire. And at the time, you know, we just we just didn't really, it wasn't even a mental thought. It wasn't like a business strategy or a strategy, okay? It was simply the way it was. So... Um, I would say that in our case, serving at the level that we're serving, transparency is the only way we can be. We can only be transparent. We can only be honest because um, uh, just because because that is what informs our entire journey. You know, I didn't set out to create a a cookbook because I thought it would be a great marketing, you know, idea Um, or and really I. I created it because I was simply trying to feed my um, husband who was going through a transition of uh, a life of really what, which was a prison for him, which was being a lawyer, which he was never uh, suited for. It's not in alignment with his heart. And uh, it really just made everything in his body feel badly. So he was transitioning from being a lawyer into becoming an athlete, which is 
what he was since he was a child. <laughs> and, um, and that's why I created the recipes. I created them to cook for him and then it extended into our family. And then, you know, at one point we said, Hey, maybe we should share this. And we had an ebook and then that turned into a book book. So I would say, I mean, if you're getting the plant power way, you're getting uh, a seat at our family table, a window into our lifestyle. And we've been, you know, very transparent. I mean, we don't have to, you know, we're not being like distastefully transparent, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of those things, and I would say probably the area where it was more, most scary and we haven't really shared in that way. Um, and that's going to be, uh, probably come out in my book. You know, it's, this is like the membrane of the journey is really the financial areas, because I think that those, it was those moments that we wondered if we admitted that we were in the financial collapse that we were in with that would then people attack us, mm. you know, and make it worse. But in our case, I don't really think that it, it is because we're like everybody else. And this is a, a planetary issue, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, nobody can, can, uh, can be that, you know, that top 1% all the time throughout their whole life. That's just, that's an illusion of a life, right? That's not mm. true. So, um, so that's what I would say to that. Right. It's, it's funny that Rich was a lawyer because, you know, the words sort of transparency and uh, <laughs> you know, most lawyers I know, you know, they're just like, well, be real careful what you say, because anything you say can and will be used against you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's true. I mean, Rich was, um, you know, he was representing artists and, and artists really liked him because he was really not like what you would think a typical lawyer would be. And I would say, that a lot of that skill set that he had as a lawyer ended up being, you know, part of the divine plan because he's such an amazing writer and, uh, you know, he has a lot of skill set from that, which he's transformed. But, um, yeah, uh, being a lawyer was never his thing. Right. Well, and yeah. it's funny that, you know, that it's that coming back to what we've talked about earlier, sort of the better version of yourself, that mm -hmm. it wasn't that he had to jettison everything he had done. It, it, it ended up being cosmically kind of a small shift advocating for something else using those skills well that's an astute perspective i i, I don't know that we really look at it like that <laughs> we look at it as a complete shift but you're right he is advocating for something else you're right that's right. that's interesting thank you yeah i mean i think about that a lot myself because my career has been marketer and there have been uh -huh. lots of parts of that that i have found either ill-fitting or downright distasteful. And, and, I, and I find myself in this world and I realize that the best thing I bring to it is that I'm a marketer. Right, exactly, exactly. Well, there are no accidents, right? It's all part of the divine plan. And, you know, I think becoming your version of your most authentic self at the highest level is integrating all of your experiences, all dark, all light, all seemingly out of alignment, you know, it's it's the sum of the whole that then informs you and you know allows you to express. Right. So well, it's only the dark stuff that gives me any inkling of how to help other people. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> well, it's such a it's such an illusion. You know, you can't you can't become a spiritual teacher or you can't show others the way if you haven't been on the way. You know, if you haven't if you haven't been down the path. So it's yeah, it's the burning in the fire. It's all those difficult experiences that then allow you to share and hopefully help somebody else, you know, maybe have a little a little more gentler version or a little softer landing in some cases. 
Right. So yeah. what I found uh, sort of most profound about the book, and this was just a, you know, a, a two hour speed read. So uh-huh. you know, I, I haven't, uh, I have, you know, it's a, like a, a quick buffet before. Nice. Read. But um, what I found, like, I, what I predict is going to stay with me is the, the, the three parts of why you would want to go, you know, have this plant powered way, vitality, performance and transformation. Mm-hmm. And specifically, the three ways of looking at food in those mm-hmm. in those three modes. And I just right. I gasped a little bit at the elegance of, of, the, oh, way, of the way you, you put it, because it, it makes so much sense. And I've never thought about it that way before. Can you share that concept? Well, you know, again, part of what's amazing for Rich and I when we share is that we didn't come to this style of eating from the same path. You know, we're both extremely, we're very different individuals. You know, I am not an athlete. I am not going to be going out and running, you know, any miles, actually, not any, not even one. Uh, And I'm a meditator yogi. I come to it from an energetic perspective. And so reflecting on that, and that's another thing that people really respond to is because we are so completely different, I think we mirror the truth in most relationships. You know, many relationships are born of opposites and there's this kind of coming together and mixing of, you know, you know, somebody, one partner does it this way and another partner does it that way. So how do we meet and how do we live in a family together? So as I was sort of reflecting on on how to come into the plant power way and what would be helpful for people you know people are different people have different orientations so um you know of course i identified performance because i had uh developed a lot of these recipes and superfoods and combinations to support rich in doing these you know extreme races that he does like double ironman races or five ironmans in you know under a week on five hawaiian islands you know little things like that and then people like me in my community where it's an energetic thing you know i'm looking for for longevity and also i healed myself of a cyst in my neck by using you know some of these energetic principles so i'm looking for the energy frequency of the food you know and how that affects me and then i also am aware from our our readers and our our tribe who email us that you know there's many people that are struggling with weight or maybe it's a, a density and i i didn't want to call it weight loss i think that's a very um it's a very uh, it can have a, a negative kind of yo-yo type of uh, type effect to it um and uh it's not really the truth of what we're seeking so we're really we're really seeking transformation so i call that transformation but transformation could also be let's say you just eat toxic food you know you've been eating a lot of gmo food or you just haven't known or or a lot of meat and um so the thing about the the plant power way and the lifestyle paths is that they're all connected. So just because you enter from performance and there's a list of recipes that fit in with that lifestyle, as you go along your path, you will then eat for vitality and you will certainly have a transformation. But if you enter from vitality, you will see that your performance naturally gets better because you're stronger, right? And you'll be much, you know, much you'll you'll see it physically in your body and then of course you will also experience transformation and if you come in through transformation you also will experience performance and vitality so you see so they're all 
really connected, but it's just a little, it's a little guidepost, a little sign for somebody who can say, okay, I identify with that. So I'm going to begin there. Let me begin with performance, you know? And I think there's a lot, there's a lot of cultural approaches to getting better, getting healthier that would, that tend to pigeonhole us so that we don't realize Mm -hmm. that there's, there's more to the story. So if I'm doing the weight loss thing, I become Mm -hmm. obsessed with weight loss Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we we all know pl- people in the plant based community who can't stop talking about what they ate last <laughs> night and, and, and what you know, how much selenium they got and you know that that um, mm-hmm. that I think the the way we're introduced to the way gives mm-hmm. us a sense gives us permission to go in all those different directions. Where I think I think one of the big things about about this culture is that we all are looking for permission. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So the, mm-hmm. the, the, it's very hard for us to give ourselves permission. And I think one mm-hmm. of the things um, your your philosophy and the, the welcoming you give to people to invite them to your family table, to invite them to your lifestyle is to give them permission to start giving themselves permission. I saw a lot of that in the mm-hmm. book. So, you know, just empower mm-hmm. yourself. Don't don't lean on us. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we always say, you know, it's an evolution revolution. It's a process, you know, and it's been a process for us. We're a family of seven, actually. There's six in the book, but my nephew also lives with us. So there's seven. And um, so it's a, it's been a process of transformation. We all didn't begin, you know, we, we, we weren't born vegan, you know, and then began from there. We, we've been in different places and stages of our lives. You know, I have a 20 year old an 18 year old, a seven year old and 11 year old, you know, rich was eating fast food. Then he became vegetarian. Then he became vegan. I was eating vegan, but raised on game meat in Alaska with my hunter dad. Um, and then my kids were kind of a mix. I mean, the little girls have never eaten any meat, but they, they have eaten dairy when they were a little younger. And so we've all kind of found our way. And I think really, the main characteristic that identifies our food is that it's it's organic, it's vibrant, and it's tasty, and it's real food. So when you eat this food, you feel you're, you haven't given anything up. You're not going without. You've gone a step up. You've taken your whole, anything that you love, and you've basically upped the level on it. So that's how we feel about it. <laughs> so I want to talk briefly about the, the three ways of looking at food that correspond to vitality, performance, and transformation, mm-hmm. uh, which is, is food as fuel, food as energy. And I think most people and I thought they were the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, the, and mm-hmm. the third one kind of blew my mind, food as alchemy. Can you t- talk yeah. about those three uh, and the distinctions? Uh, well, again, I mean, um, just starting with performance, you know, obviously when, you know, being the, the wife and partner of an ultra endurance athlete, um, you know, I would say that rich, you know, has pushed the boundaries of his physical body probably more than any, anybody that I know. Right. So when you're eating for performance, you're looking for things that reduce inflammation and that, uh, promote fast recovery you know, between workouts so that you can do it again. And you're looking for obviously like a pretty, a lot of, uh, a lot of calories, like fuel, you know, because you're putting in a lot of miles. So you need that you need, you need to be able to really eat and replenish your body. And like Rich always says, you know, that he's eating today for tomorrow's training session. 
So that's how that goes. So, so that's, go that's the food is fuel for performance. Food is fuel, right. And then I would say food is energy is, is sort of a, a more of a subtle shift. So, so we have the energy established and now we're going through a subtle shift and we're really understanding that everything in our world is energy and that our bodies are really a miraculous uh, expression of divinity. Like if you, if you ever question that there is a God or not, just start to explore inside the human body and see what an amazing expression or creation we all are housed in, our spirits are housed in and how this body breathes and works and moves and does all these things, you know, digests. So we start to take our awareness a little bit, a little bit further into the subtle realms of how are things digesting um, you know, like really paying attention to what is happening in your guts. You know, how is the, how is the food moving through your body? Um, the other element is the vibrancy or the energy of this food that you're eating. So in the case that you're eating meat of an animal that's been killed, obviously you're eating the, uh, anger, terror, you know, energy that this animal felt when it died, you're taking that into your body. That is also an energy. So, and, and also that, that can be sort of, you can take that literally in terms of, right. If we, if I, if I feel terror, I dump physical chemicals into my bloodstream. So it's not, yeah. it's not, if someone's listening to this and says, well, this is a little bit too woo woo for me, they can still yeah. look at the cortisol and yeah. the stress hormones and the fight or flight pathway mm -hmm. and say, well, that's what I'm eating. That's what, that's, exactly. that's what that animal synthesized in its last moments. Exactly. And, and, and it, could you tell, you know, could I tell you that that's imaginary, that that's nothing? If, you know, if you're in that fight or flight state, you can feel it everywhere in your body. It's in every single inch of your muscle bones, you know, inside your body. So that's what you're eating. So you are taking that into your body and your body has to then deal with that energy, right? So as a meditator, you wouldn't do that. That's not, that's not right thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you know, just you take, take the morals out of it. You wouldn't do that because that would be taking an energy that was outside of you that was misaligned and taking it into your body, right? That's funny, because I was thinking this morning on my run of, uh, of like a website, you could call it like the, the selfish eater. Like if I, <laughs> if I didn't give a crap about the environment or animals or other people, and I was just being completely selfish, I would eat the same way I eat now. I know, me too. That's funny. That's a funny idea, though. You should maybe develop that. I actually met a selfish eater last night at a tea ceremony, quite shockingly. And my boys and I were just amazed at the conversation. You know, it's, it's amazing. Um, yeah, it's amazing what, what people try to justify because they want to eat meat. They want to eat an animal. I just, it was quite amazing. But, um, okay, so the third one, so transformation, again, and this is, this is really deep, you know, and, and I've, um, I've given it as a gift to the weight loss people. Um, but really, this is really the deep, amazing work that we're really all going for, you know, but the, the weight loss people get to get to be the first, you know. <laughs> so the, the transformation, yeah, this is what we're looking for. We're looking to be completely reconfigured, completely transformed, completely reborn into our most authentic self. And food is the first portal. Once you stop eating processed foods, 
you know, uh, fried foods, animal products, you will start to wake up to yourself. And, uh, you know, it is the, it is the mission of each being to know yourself. And so this is, this is the first way through. So how, how does that relate to the concept of food as alchemy? Well, you know, alchemy is, you know, alchemical processes, there's something being transformed, right? So um, I say that it, it will actually burn away density in your body. Eating these high vibrational foods creates an alchemy within your body. It actually, your spirit and your soul as well. So there will be also external influences that will come in. Life will will bless us all with um, adversary and challenges that will help us to alchemize, you know, even further. But I would say that the, the actual food, eating this type of plant-based high vibrational food will start to um, completely transform your microbial environment, which lives in your gut. And there will be this massive transformation inside your intestines which will shift everything in the way you see the world. Nice. Yeah, cuz I mean <laughs> when I when I thought when I saw the word alchemy the first phrase that came to my mind is you are what you eat, which mm-hmm. which we hear all the time and you don't really think about it that I'm transforming like a piece of chard, a leaf of chard into myself. Like yeah. hot damn, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, think well. Think about think of that of that wonder of the human, you know, the human body. And you know, there's all this now science out about the microbiome. And you know, people say, you know, well, I need, you know, I need beef because I crave it. And that's in factly, in fact, not true. The truth is, is that you're not even your cravings. Your cravings are determined by these trillions of. Uh, you know, microorganisms that are in, existing in your gut, and they are—they have the cravings. You don't have the cravings. <laughs> so once you understand this, is that's why we always say at the beginning, if you, you know, if you, wherever you're at, and we we are open arms to everyone wherever you at, wherever you are at. This is a completely open system. This is not a group with a closed wall. This is an open living organism. And we welcome everybody to come in and cook out of the plant power way. Even if you're a meat eater, even if you eat fish, even if you're eating fast food, come and eat out of the plant power way and start, let the food start to do its own transformation for what's right for you. So. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the, the, the bio, the gut biome. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was talking to, in fact, it was a, uh, a podcast interview, of, I think a couple of weeks ago, uh, with my friend Sharon Livingston, who when she discovered that, like, she was craving sugar, not because she was craving it, but because like the yeasts in her body were craving it. She said she got really angry at them. It's like, what? Like, I know. You know, like, yeah. like, if there's one American value, it's autonomy. Right. Like, nobody yeah. tells me what to do. And the thought <laughs> that I've got these, these little critters marching up and down, demanding yeah. their, you know, that my yeah. mouth open up to their food. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true. I mean, it's it's really, really powerful when you start to really uh, feel into that. And what what does that really mean, you know, on a, on a greater level? And so, yeah, it's about taking back your sovereignty and, and being involved in it, not just being like a side effect of what society is giving you. You know, I mean, 
uh, yeah, it's, uh, and the beautiful thing is, is that you have the power because there's nobody that's shoving food in your mouth. You know, you are the one who's picking it up and putting it in your mouth in probably 99.999% of the case, you know, unless you were a hostage somewhere or at least that you got, you know, hurt and you're on an IV or something like that. But, um, yeah. And where I see it, that just makes me laugh my head off is, you know, I have little girls and, and I have one uh, very vocal protester from the very beginning. And, you know, again, it's like we have this this sort of process with kids is we just we respect them as full, you know, fully embodied beings and let them self-regulate. And I have lots of varieties of great plant-based foods. I don't cook separate meals for my kids. You know, if they say, oh, I don't like something, I sort of say, yeah, I get it, but I don't go rush and try to make them something that they like. You know, it's like we just keep the great food coming. And over the years, you know, I, I share this. I saw my, ten, she's now 11 when she was 10. You know, one morning she got up, came into the kitchen, made herself some sauteed chard, and literally was walking back to her room to go, you know, do her thing with this huge, I, I, I laughed my head off because that is true proof of the microbiome. <laughs> there, there's no, there's no other way. And recently I have this amazing, um, bonus recipe. There's nine bonus recipes that are part of, um, these incentive giveaways that we give away. If you pre-order the book before April 28th and you enter your receipt at richroll.com, you get tons of gifts and there's different levels and stuff. And they're really good gifts. Like we really tried to partner with amazing people. But anyway, so one of the recipes that I'm able to give away in this pack is this uh, cherry cacao cake that I made. And it, I made it for as an album cover art piece for my record, Jai Home. And, uh, and I made the cake recently. And both of my girls came to me and they said, Mom, we love the cake. And this frosting's too sweet. <laughs> and I almost almost dropped the plate in the kitchen. Like, are, did they really just say that to me? Because I used powdered sugar and, you know, some vegan earth balance because it was that kind of, I needed it for the photograph to hold up and all that. And that's, you know, wouldn't be my first choice, but that's the kind of cake it is. So that was really funny. <laughs> right. I think I was like 39 before the words too sweet came out of my mouth. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> That's like, you know, not an, that's like too much garlic. What? What? <laughs> <Doesn't make sense. laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, that's definitely the microbiome. And that's why we say it's like e wherever you're at, like, let's just say that you ha your cravings are really, really strong and you just, you can't, you know, you can't fight against them. Well, the yogi in me would say, don't, don't fight against them. Just start eating green things. Right. That's all. Yeah. Because there's, there's so much evidence that it, it changed whatever you feed. You know, like that, yeah. that Native American story about the two wolves fighting inside you, the good wolf and the bad wolf. And, you know, which one wins, whichever one you feed. Whichever one you feed. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the, that's another way that I kind of go throughout the world is I don't ever quit anything. Um, I'm a, I don't like those kind of boundaries around myself. So, again, I feed the thing that I want and I let the habits to fall away from me. It's a much gentler process. Right. As, as a rich, well, ahead. Rich would say you can't do that. You know, he would be like, take it away, lock it up, and don't ever go back. So that's his orientation. But my orientation is, leave it sitting there, and you know, just don't put your attention on it. Right. Just put your attention on something. And if you, 
if you go back to it and you eat something, don't guilt yourself over it. Then that's a double, that's a double problem, right? right? Just allow, just allow it to be what it is and know you're in the process and know that, you know, yesterday you had a green drink and today you went to the drive through, but tomorrow you can have a green drink. It's okay. Right. Uh, yesterday I was interviewing uh, Susan Pierce Thompson, who's a, uh, so neuro- neuroscientist of food addiction, and, she, uh-huh. and it, what she what you just said reminded me of, of what she was saying, which is that people have very different levels of a susceptibility, and uh-huh. and that so so for Rich, who whom we know from his story, is, yes. is kind of a ten on the uh, addiction <laughs> susceptibility a, scale. A Twenty, a twenty-five. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> right, he's an ultra, an ultra addict. He's an ultra addict. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and and that, that it would make sense that you and he have very different strategies. Well, and I mean, and I would say that I'm a, you know, I'm a negative ultra. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm not even like most people, you know, I'm more the other way. So we're both an extreme, I guess, in our own ways on the spectrum. And we're holding those opposite poles. <laughs> uh-huh. okay. So, so um, I, I had a... Um, a question that's not necessarily directly related to the book, but you know, I, I ask people to post questions if they want something talked about on the podcast. And I got a question a couple of days ago that I don't have a freaking clue about, and I thought you might. Uh-oh. Uh oh, hope I do. And if you don't, if if you, if you don't, we could just uh, edit this out. But someone okay. someone wanted to know about um, the Ayurvedic concepts of food, about Ayurvedic dosha, and says that they they are vata. And they need they they've been told they need some animal products uh, some animal foods, and they wanted to know is there have you ever met anyone who couldn't be vegan based on their Ayurvedic profile? Can do you have thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, I know a little bit about Ayurveda because I healed myself of a golf ball sized cyst in my neck in two thousand five with using Ayurveda. So I'm I'm guessing that this person is talking about that Ayurveda prescribes ghee. Right. Um, I would be surprised if the Ayurvedic physician was prescribing meat. Um, so that that would seem not right. But OK, yes, ghee is part of Ayurveda. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, in that in that sense, if you were going to be using pure Ayurveda, then you would I would say that you would not be pure vegan. But everything else about the way you're eating is is basically in alignment. So um, in Ayurveda, actually, this is an interesting thing that I can share. I am, um, I study with a Himalayan realized monk. His name is Swami Vidya Dishananda. And he is from a very beautiful uh, order of monks in the high Himalayas. And he is a, a master consciousness uh, about f- medicine, food as medicine, and also music. Um, and he taught me recently that there are two kinds of, of um, there's A1 casein and A2 casein, which is in dairy. And the problem is the A1 casein. The A1 casein is causing all the disease. So in pure Ayurveda, you would want to get an A2 casein, which comes from a very specific cow that is an indigenous cow with a hump on its back. And for all these reasons, that kind of ghee made a specific way is very sacred. But that might mean boiling it in a certain way with certain herbs and in certain conditions at certain times of day. So it's very, very specific and it's very spiritually based. So 
you can't really do Ayurveda like via the internet or by reading, you know, taking a test to see what your dosha is <laughs> uh -huh. because these physicians are master pulse readers and they read your pulse and they can tell what's going on in your system from your pulse, from feeling your pulse. So my own experience, I had a miraculous healing. Um, I call it miraculous because that's my perception of my process. However, I ate a predominantly plant-based diet, very, very specific with specific species of plants for uh, almost a two-year period and also ingested herbs and you know, did a whole lifestyle protocol and, uh, you know, I was able to heal myself. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I haven't met anybody that couldn't be vegan. Uh, I use the practices of Ayurveda and I do not eat ghee. Um, I actually tried the A2 casein to see what it would do. And I didn't, I didn't notice any difference. So I went back to coconut oil. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, Thanks. yeah. So, yeah, that re it reminds me of kind of the way in the West we we take in exotic stuff, um, you know. Like, so we we want the the results of their technologies without the infrastructure. So yes. you know, So in, in Ayurveda, there's as you say, there's these these um, sacred processes of so specific cows with with high. Mm -hmm. Um, vibrational intention. And it's almost like, you know, in, in the West, so we're really good at making electronics. It'd be like taking a blender to some country that doesn't have electricity. <laughs> right. saying, you know, like this Vitamix, you, it's going to make you well, you just, just right, use the right. Vitamix. Right, right. And I and that, you know, that being said, I highly, highly recommend Ayurveda for for anyone who's having anything that is, you know, a, a very dire situation. Um, I, Ayurveda is just one of the most beautiful, beautiful, uh, traditions, sciences that's available to us. And the most beautiful thing about it is that this is science of medicine focuses on healing the organism, making the organism well and whole and vibrant. Whereas Western medicine focuses on killing the intruder. Uh -huh. Right. Right. So it's a completely backwards thing. And one of the most beautiful things about Ayurveda that that just touched me so deeply is that they say that you take the herbs and the herbs and the, and the food, the food, the herbs and your lifestyle restore your body to perfect balance. And the body is divinity. The, the, the body is an instrument of perfection. So when the body is in balance, the body heals everything. So Ayurveda doesn't cut. They don't, they don't mess with the body. They're not, you know, they don't do surgery. They heal the organism to its perfect state. Right. Just, just, just make sure you're getting Ayurveda that includes the uh, electrical grid as well as the Vitamix. <laughs> cool. So um, you have a story about um, bas basically sort of making fun of your abilities as a chef. In the, in the book where you're uh, like some great uh, chef came to one of your cooking demonstrations yes. and, and asked, I guess, you know, in all seriousness, why did you choose that knife to cut the zucchini <laughs> thinking that you had like discovered some, um, you know, some, some new methodology? I'd love to, you to share, you know, your answer and what it means to you. 
That's funny. Well, I mean, um, it, it was early on in our journey, you know, and uh, we weren't sure what was going on and if our choices were the right choices. And I think we decided to do a cooking workshop, you know, like after we had like our first cook e-cookbook, um, which is on Rich's site. It's called Jai Seed and there's like 50 recipes. And before I knew it, you know, I got an email that this, this chef, and I, you know, I can't remember his name right now and I feel so badly because I, I know his face. So anyway, this beautiful guy who was cooking for actually Ryan Hall. So Ryan Hall, like the famous marathon runner, that Ryan Hall. Okay. So, uh, and uh, Rich was over the moon that he had met him and, you know, just the sweetest guy. He's, he's an amazing individual. So anyway, I was in the shower that morning realizing that this chef was flying down to take my cooking workshop. And I was seriously questioning, you know, the, the life events that were occurring. Like, why is he coming to my workshop? You know, what could I possibly share with him? But he was awesome. And, you know, I'm, I'm an artist in the kitchen. I use, you know, food as art and cooking for me is, you know, performance art, basically. And uh, I just got in there and was doing my thing. And he was taking notes and we had a great time. And then at one point, he, he said, excuse me, so why are you using that knife to chop? And I looked at him and I said, because uh, it's the closest one to me. So because the other knives were across the kitchen, right? And I would have had to take five steps to get to that. So that was my, my true answer. And so I say in the book, you know, is that a valid answer? And I would say as a mother of four, as a wife to an author and podcast host and Ultraman and artist and musician and cookbook author, and I think time is of the essence. And so let's not make things complicated. Like, let's just use what you have. Right. And, and, you know, just metaphorically that I, I chose this one because it was the, it was the one at hand, you yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> you know, That's, this is the cookbook I have. This is the family I have. This is the body I have. Right. You know? let's, yeah. Let's be here now, like in this moment. And I also think that, you know, our equipment, our equipment section for this book is only two pages. It's, you know, it's a double spread and it's very basic because, and this is the truth of what I used to cook with. It's like you just need a couple knives, like two that you really like. You know, I think we, you know, we have a, we do have a Vitamix in there. We have a juicer in there. Um, we have a Cocoa Jack. That's probably like the most extravagant thing. That I just was, added that. Was that was the one thing in. I didn't know what it was when I looked at it's it. It's so cool, by the way. Um, you, it's this little like set that you get and it's a mallet and like a, another, um, metal thing. And you can open a young coconut in like, you know, a second, you just oh. hammer it, open it up and you're drinking it. Oh, and wow. you, and it also has a scooper so you can get all the coconut meat out of the inside very easily. And it is, it's a lovely, lovely invention. And I'm very happy that I have it. <laughs> wow. It's, 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 it sounds more efficient than what I do, which is chase it down the porch stairs with a hammer <laughs> smacking it i know well, i was i was writing the cookbook and i was trying and by the way this this only works for young coconuts it doesn't work for brown coconuts for brown coconuts you really need to go online and find a good tutorial so they show you how to do it but as i was writing the book i was terrified that i was going to tell somebody how to open a i was afraid of someone cutting themselves so, you know, I, I didn't want to responsibly write about how to open a coco coconut because it can be very dangerous. You know, you have mm. to know what you're doing. So I wanted to make sure that, you know, my readers had their fingers intact. So, um, so that will help. 
Well, so I had one more equipment question, and and this yeah. is under the category of uh, it's my podcast, so I can ask things just for myself. And if other yes. people want to listen, they can. It uh, is your podcast, Howard. Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, you wrote about how the, you know you use a walk a lot. Yeah. And yeah. I have not had a walk in a long time, and every time I go to a store looking for a walk, they're all uh-huh. disgusting. They're they're like yeah. you know Teflon. Or like oh. really, really thin that looks like it would just degrade instantly. Like, what do you recommend for a for a, a good enough walk to make food you'd be proud of? Well, it's um. This is this is. I don't know if you saw in my. You probably didn't. You, did, you probably didn't see this because I still cook out of the wok that I bought in college. Uh-huh. So my wok is very old. It's missing the handles. But I still have it. My son said to me last year, hey, mom, I think we're doing okay. And I think we should buy you a new walk. And I was like, no, don't touch the walk. Like, I still have that. So I just have an old metal one. I think it cost $20 the time that I bought it. And it's lasted, you know, I hate to say 30 years or something. (laughs) So, But I did see recently one that I have my eye on. Um, They have a cast iron one at a crate and barrel. And uh, I haven't tried it, but I I imagine that thing is very useful. And you, if you did that, you could forego the cast iron skillet and just get the wok and double use it. Ah, okay, I'll check. I'll check it so, out. Otherwise, I'll just have people go on like vintage eBay looking for exactly 20, thirty year old twenty dollars. Yeah, exactly. Just twenty dollar wok. You know, nothing fancy. Awesome. So I have, I have a lot of, of, of notes in here, but I think I want to focus on just a couple more things. One is uh, you, you wrote a sentence on page 62 that kind of hit me right between the eyes because it's, uh, you know, my kids are now, you know, 15 and 19. So they're, I've sort of retired as a parent. You know, I just, I'm the occasional chauffeur. But, uh, you know, I, I pay for their cell phone minutes. But, but essentially, as a parent, I'm basically done. But, but for many years, um, you know, trying to get them to eat right, trying to change their diet was a struggle. And there was all sorts of mental garbage going on in my head. And the sentence is something, uh, I have the notes here. It says, it says don't, don't let your personal emotional baggage interfere with the long-term welfare of our precious children. And what, what did you mean by that when you wrote it? Like, what, what do you see in terms of people's personal emotional baggage getting in the way of doing the best for their kids? Well, I mean, I would have to, uh, first of all, I would say that I've seen you with your children firsthand. And, and I disagree with that comment that you're, you're complete as a parent because I've seen your kids interact with you. And I think you're a beautiful, beautiful father. Oh. Um, so regard, regardless of what you're eating or what your kids are eating. Well, so, thanks. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I think that actually, I think actually the best interactions come from the fact that I basically consider myself retired. <laughs> right, exactly. So then you guys are having fun, right? Yeah. That's good. Well, I mean, um, so, you know, I'm a homeschooling mom and, uh, and, uh, I have, uh, some very strong passions about changing the way that we meet our children in our lives. Um, and it comes from my own personal experience of, you know, how my kids showed up for me and what I was required to do to be, you know, their guardian and their, their mother and their caregiver and their nurturer. So, what I see a lot is I see um, fears and unexpressed things that exist in the parents that are really sort of wounded little child issues. 
And then the parents have children and they tend to project these things onto the children. And uh, almost the entire uh, scenario is just a made up illusion. It's not even real. Like the children don't even, the children aren't you, they don't have your same, I mean, they may have some genetic traits or something, but they're not living your life. You know, they didn't come here to then, you know, pick up everything that, you know, Howard and Julie didn't, didn't get to, you know? So what I say about this is, can, um, before you go into can you give an example of sort of a, 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 um, a wounded little child issue that gets projected onto the next generation? Uh, it, it, I mean, it could be anything like, uh, let's see. I mean, I'll have to take my own case and, uh, I'll take my own case of my mother. So my mother comes from South America. And so, uh, her dad left her family when they were 16 years old and she had to work as a 16 year old. So here she gives birth to me. I'm the fifth kid. And all she does my entire life is talk to me about being, becoming a businesswoman, that it's so important that I become a businesswoman, that I get a degree, that I never trust men, that I never, hmm. you know, never, you know, that I can make my own way. Right. And I didn't have time to really kind of, I hadn't, really felt into myself enough. Um, so I did what she told me to do because I knew it was important to her. And it wasn't until I was 28 years old that I was in fashion design class and I picked up a pencil and I noticed that I was an artist completely, naturally. So but you could look at that two ways. I mean, part of that is, you know, I was like, oh my God, I've wasted 28 years, <laughs> you know, reading this real estate book, not really liking it and not really feeling anything for it, but doing it dutifully. You know, I have a degree in business marketing also, by the way. Um, but, uh, it, 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 it wasn't who I was at the core. Now, the good thing is, is that I made it into a plus for me. So I use my business experience and, you know, I'm the whole, and then I became a very, prolific artist expressing every which way and every, every single medium after that. So it was fine. But I guess what I would say, so that's an example of it, but it could be anything that's buried inside the, the, the parent that is not healed. And, uh, I think as parents, we all need to look inside of ourselves and see where are we projecting, where is it applicable or where is it our own stuff that we can take ownership of and heal it ourselves and not put our children through that scenario. And specifically, the, you know, food is like, you know, ground zero for emotional turmoil. Yeah, for, for, you know, it is. I mean, it, you know, it's, it represents care, love, nurturance, survival. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever, wherever we have, wherever we're stuck in our relationship with the universe, it's going to mm-hmm. come out somehow in food. Right. Well, and I think that also as, um, you know, I certainly experienced with Rich in partnership with him and I've experienced in my life is, you know, the way for us to be the most powerful healers is to be an example, a living example. That's, that is the true way to teach and to be a true teacher. So if you're constantly just telling your telling somebody, you know, or somebody has a weight problem and you're constantly telling them, telling them, telling them, they're just becoming in a prison. It's just, it's going to paralyze them more and more. So what we can do is we can turn the focus on ourselves and transform our own selves and stand as a living example while holding the vision for the highest for the ones we love around us with no judgment, with just compassion and trust and belief. Like, I love you. I believe in you. And I'm going to hold this vision for you because that's how much I love you. 
And if, and I'm going to hold it, even if you're eating that cake and I know that cake isn't good for you, I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to hold that awareness because I know who you really are. And then keep working on your own issues. So I always say that if, if violence or anger has made it into your kitchen or judgment, you've missed the entire point. So mm. food should be about coming together, uh, respecting everybody where they are in their journey and loving them unconditionally. And when you're not sure what to do, love more, <laughs> love even more. And that will go a lot farther than giving a child a lecture about spinach or, or, you know, sugar or whatever. Simply change the microbial environment in your kitchen and love more. Hmm. And <laughs> I think it would have helped if I had given my kids little like t-shirts when they were young saying, I'm a fully realized being and I just, and I need <laughs> self, to learn self-regulation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, well... I think your kids are actually. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm just, I'm a little slow on the uptake, right? <laughs> That's right. And the thing is too, I mean, I also just noticed like with parents in different homeschooling, you know, as parents, you know, education is one of the most uh, volatile hot buttons, you know, because we all have these ideas about how education should be and we don't want our kids to miss, you know, to miss out. And the world is changing so quickly that our children are not having the same educational experience that we had, not even close. And in another two years, it'll be completely flipped again on its head out of the way. So, you know, as parents, I was talking to my son yesterday about this, actually, we were talking about, um, I was talking about parents realizing that we are not the ones that have the new information. <laughs> they do, <laughs> you know, and ever like how many times you hear a parent say, you know, well, when I was a kid, you know, they want to project that old reality onto the kid's life. And, you know, that's not what's happening. So, you know, we should start listening more. I think listening more would be helpful. Right. Which, which brings me back to the beginning of the book, um, which is where I think um, adults do have something to offer. Um, you, you write about um, being, in, we're not exempt from nature and the rhythms of the global, global mm -hmm. ecosystem. And I think yeah. that's an area where, where, where my kids, where anyone who's sort of plugged into technology and culture can easily live on this membrane and mm -hmm. on the veneer and not realize that there is a, you know, a, a pulsing fecund nature that, that has us by the, you know, by the teeth and can mm -hmm. shake us around any time it wants through, yeah. through natural disaster, through disease. And we don't notice it when it's just being benign and benevolent. Mm -hmm. Well, that's true. And I would agree with you there. And I think that that right there, education and awareness and honesty, and that's trans, that's a place where transparency is. I I think the greatest teacher. You know, I don't. Rich and I don't shield our children from what is. You know, we don't create some utopian illusion of whatever. You know, because that's not really life. And I would say that that getting um, aware at some of these issues, the industrialized meat, animal violence, you know, the water, uh, you know, scarcity on the planet, the waste, um, you know, becoming aware of how do you live sustainably, 
I think that is a vital key to this entire conversation, to this entire lifestyle, because children are very feeling beings. We all are. All human beings are very feeling and I believe in, you know, naturally good and want the best. And we need to be informed. We need to know what's happening. We need to know what our choices are, um, you know, what we're participating in. And uh, I know for my own kids, it makes them feel very, very, very good, you know, that they can make a vote for the planet by choosing plants. Right. And, and it makes a difference to them. Yeah. And that's the context in which you, you bring up the issue that, you know, when's the last time you had a piece of produce fresh from the ground that wasn't, you know, boiled or baked or processed to within an inch of its life? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just that that simple reconnection, um, right. you know, and, and of course, you're, there's so, so many beautiful photographs of food in the plant power way. Um, like, you know, it's hard to imagine, like, you know, putting pictures of you know, animal carcasses and chemicals. <laughs> right. You know, there's, right. Um, recently I interviewed uh, Heather Crosby, who wrote The Yum Universe, and she has a, 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 be- it's a beautiful, glossy, uh, cookbook, and she has a picture, a two-page spread of these beautiful, vibrant colors, all different colors. And you realize what it is is like junk food, like Fruit Loops and stuff like that. And I was wondering about it, and then like two pages later, she hit me with the sucker punch: was the same photograph minus the artificial colors. And you look, oh, and, wow. and you look at it, and you go, oh, I, you Ew. know, saw, I'd rather eat sawdust. And right. yet, you know, the photos in here of the. You know, the, the, the vegetables, the legumes, the fruits, the grains, you know, n- no human being would, would look at those and not reach for those Thank a, a, you. as opposed to the artificial foods, if we could see what the artificial foods really look yeah. like. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's what I'm saying is honestly, and by the way, all of the food that you're seeing is the real food. Like nothing was food photographed using fake ingredients. All those ingredients are organic. They're the real thing. Like we didn't, we didn't do any of that. But um, uh, I think that, you know, that's why I say eating this way is it's a, it's an elevated, it's a step up. It's not, it's not about deprivation. It's about, you know, eating food that tasted better than you ever thought possible. You know, that's what, that's that's the intention that was put into the book and all of these recipes all it's over 120 they are all recipes that i eat we eat with our family on a daily basis in our home you know and i didn't i didn't look at it and go oh i'm missing of this you know and then go put it in or find it from someone else uh, these are the truth of you know of what we were what we eat so great so last thing uh, there are parts of the book that i found educational. I learned stuff I didn't Uh know. There were parts of the book I found inspiring, um, you know, to make me a better person. My favorite part of the book was where I was just smiling broadly when you were talking about cooking as a performance art. And like all the the little things like, you know, buying some weird little piece of pottery to, you know, just like it was so whimsical, like, oh, my God, I just want to go and like, make something crazy and, and just and just put on a show. You know, it's like that's like, so cool. Like you know, um, Judy Garland and and Mickey, yeah. Mickey Rooney when as kids in those movies. Let's put on a show. That's kind of how yeah. I felt about like the next meal I do for my for family or Yay. guests. 
Well, will you do it and take a picture and send it to me? I would love that. I'm, I'm very, um, it's very touched that you had that reaction to it. I mean, this is, you know, this is my thing. It's how I come to food. And, and I just felt it was important because I feel like food is the ultimate performance art. I mean, what you create something as an artist and then it gets eaten and it's gone. Like you don't put it, it doesn't go on a wall or no one's wearing it or it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's really a beautiful spiritual expression of artistry because you prepare it, you serve it and, and it should, it should like ignite and excite all the senses. So there should be visual and, you know, and smell and aroma and texture and like all the things. And so if you start to, again, just even start with what you have, look around your house and see what you had. And, and could you pick a theme for the table? And if you picked a theme for the table, could your children be excited to be involved in that? And could you let go of any boundaries that you have around that? Like, what if they wanted to just put stuffed animals all over the table? Like, could you... Could you let go of saying, no, you better not because it'll get caught, you know, like try to say yes to whatever they want to do and make it their gig. Like, you know, we're going to set a table and this is the food that I'm having. And so my little girls get really excited about it because it's really fun, you know, and then the older boys, you know, they're, they're my sous chefs. They help me in the kitchen and you know, it's kind of this big family affair and we're all musicians. So, you know, we play music and we definitely hold hands and we say some kind of blessing, um, you know, and uh, it's 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 an it's an opportunity for art. And uh, all of us have something to give um, artistically to share artistically. Right. And so many people I know never t- never take time for their art and they don't even know what their art is. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, we're too busy. We don't. It's it's a luxury we don't have time for. I work. You know, I leave the house at seven in the morning. I come home at six. I'm exhausted. If I can throw something down that's that's functional, that that provides enough calories and isn't too bad, that's fine. And after that, I'm just gonna you know relax, read a book, go to bed. And you know, we think only only like rock stars, rich people have time to mm-hmm. indulge their their artistic side, but food is a place where you can kind of fit it in, mm-hmm. right? You can, you, you have the choice. You can make the same meal dull as, as a, as a Soviet era architecture, or, <laughs> or you can make it look like, you know, the Taj Mahal. Right. And I always say it too. It's like, you know, make the effort, you know, garnish it, have some edible flowers, you know, grow some herbs in your kitchen in a basket and, you know, take a minute and put it on the plate, make it look nice, take just a moment, it doesn't take a long time. It's just, you know, a flower here, some berries there, and you know, some herbs. And um, the other thing is, you know, cooking, it's multifaceted, you know, there's the, there's the shopping, there's the preparation, then there's the cleanup, there's the table. So what I say is get everybody involved, you know, have everybody have something that they enjoy doing, a task that they can offer, that they can contribute. And it becomes, then you're together as a family and you're interacting rather than someone being off in another room and then you call them, you know, like when it's done. So I think it's a wonderful opportunity and I think it's a vital part of living living life and truly being in the moment and truly enjoying the things that you care about. Because I know that 
we all, all humans, we care deeply about our families. We care about them so much. And our awareness gets shifted to work or to business. And instead of coming home and being with the family, we'll choose to work on another job for an hour. But I would say at the end of your life, when your body is ready to lay down and you're done, are you going to regret that you, you know, didn't work another hour or are you going to, you know, lament that you didn't spend the time with your kids or with your family? So when people say to me, well, I don't have time to cook my inner, you know, thought immediately is, well, you should make time. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just that that's the actual truth. You should make time because food is a central part of our lives and we have to eat it. And it informs every single thing about your life. So as parents, we need to be providing this experience to our kids. But in the end, it's not even for them. You will be blessed a million times more than they will <laughs> because you will experience a relationship with them that is so much more enhanced than, you know, going out to a restaurant or eating fast food or working late nights every single night, you know, and if you can't do it every night, make it once a week, you know, make it a sacred once a week where this is what we do. And it's, it, it doesn't get changed for anything. Right. Well, so the, the plant power way, as we've, as we've discovered is not, mm -hmm. is not just a cookbook, right? It, it'll, it'll, it'll come into people's lives as a cookbook, as a mm. you know, sort of a Trojan horse, but once you open it, <laughs> the the Yay. the armies of light and love will will come mm. forth. This is a, this is really a book about how to live. Yes, and we it is. Yeah, and so you know, I I thank you and Rich and the kids and the nephew and the photographers and, <laughs> and everyone who helped bring this to uh, into being. I'm I'm honored to have a. Uh, I didn't realize it wasn't out yet. I'm honored to have a. Uh, a pre-copy. Yay. Well, thank you so much, Howard. Um, so we, when, when does it come out? It comes out April 28th is the actual re release date. And there's a couple things um, you can pre-order, which we would love, which would be amazing for us. Um, it, it helps us with, um, you know, numbers and getting the word out. So uh, you can order it on, on Rich's site, richroll.com. And you'll, you'll see a big banner for it, but you can go to pre-order. And then after you buy it, you enter your receipt and you'll get a bunch of free, free bonus incentive prizes. So there's many different levels for, it depends on how many books you buy. But even if you buy one book, there's a lot of gifts there that are amazing. And, uh, we, we were very, very careful. We didn't give you anything that is useless. Like everything is really designed to support you and so we want you to get those free gifts so pre-order it and get your free gifts um, the other thing is you can join us on something called thunderclap so if you um i think you have to go to thunderclap.com and then search the plant power way and you sign up to uh support us on the 27th there will be a social uh media post that goes onto your facebook page um, and so right now we had a goal of 500 people and we're already, um, beyond it. We're, uh, already at 800. So we're trying to get to a million 
person reach. And I think right now the amount of the number of people reach is about, I don't know, 800,000 or something like that. So this is a kind of a social um, crowdfunding that's not raising money. It's uh, a sort of gathering everybody's social networks to spread this message. So if you feel called, we'd love to have you join us in helping us spread the message. Awesome. I will find a link, to, a direct link and put it on the uh, show notes. Great. Um, so for, for for April twenty seventh, we'll we'll get the word out, and that's really important. You know, it's 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 sort of artificially spiking the book sales for that first day, and the reason that's important is is multifold. One is that the higher it appears, it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. Other people will see it, and they you know people will 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 find their way into this lifestyle, into this journey, into this vision, who otherwise wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And also, I would say there's a mm -hmm. very good chance that this book is going to make the New York Times bestseller list. Mm -hmm. And it does mm -hmm. that based on weekly, a weekly worth of sales. Uh, I know this from Whole, because we spiked um, the second week and got onto the science bestseller list. And then we can put New York Times bestseller on the, on the cover of the paperback. And that lends, yeah. and, and then you can say you're a best-selling author, and that lends a lot of credibility. So we got We have to, you know, we're both uh, reform marketers, but we still, yes. we still can use it to for good because there's a lot of people out there using it for other things. So. Well, I know, and I mean, in this particular case, you know, Rich and I had completed the entire book. We actually delivered a finished book to the publisher, which was completely out of character for you know creating a book. And the reason is because we were going to self-publish, and through our partner, um, a man named Greg Anzalone, we had uh, a complete scenario and challenge channels which we could have self-published. And in the end, we went this route because we. The other, if we had self-published, it would have been more lucrative over time. We would have made more money over time. But our goal is to reach the most people in the shortest amount of time. So we went into this structure for that intention, which is why if you would join us and you would help us spread the word, we would be so incredibly grateful um, because we truly believe that this information is um, transforming lives. And it's not... You know, it's, it's not just for us, it's for all of us. And um, we, we gave you our very best that we had. And uh, we're very proud of the book and we're very honored to share it. So if you do feel aligned, please join us and, uh, and be a part of the movement. Right on. And I'm, I'm just going to add a, a little pet peeve to, to this, which is that there's, there's um, I've heard in many places, um, that when someone's, you know, doing well, that's that somehow, you know, doing well financially, that somehow undermines the message that we should all be doing this simply yeah. out of the goodness of our hearts. And, you know, that anyone who's charging for it is somehow compromised their integrity. Yeah. And, you know, think, just think about it. If you, you know, the world you want, um, mm -hmm. would you rather the people, you know, pushing pills and violence are the ones who are making the money <laughs> right. and all the people pushing pl peace plants and love are like, you know, checking the sofa for, for, for quarters. <laughs> so I would, right. I would encourage everyone. And I, and I say this from a totally self-serving place, <laughs> you know, make yeah. us rich. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Well, I mean, the thing is, 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 uh, we are in service. And so all, you know, our lives, like I'm already working on book two, book three, you know, Rich is, you know, traveling all over speaking, you know, he's, he's working very, very, very hard. We're working late hours and it's all to 
spread this message. And our message helps people to find themselves. And we believe that everybody was designed in a perfect divine mandala, you know, a perfect divine sort of community. And so we really want everybody to realize themselves because we believe that if that happens, we're going to have an amazing world. Right on. Again, you know, selfish, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to live in a world in which other people are realized, you know, be be a lot less jagged edges. Exactly. I mean, because I believe in humanity and I believe in the power of the human spirit. And, you know, we see it with, you know, thousands of emails that we get and messages of people just doing extraordinary things. And, um, you know, we need you to be more of who you are because you were created in perfection. So, um, embracing the plant power way, uh, is a support system that will allow you to access your best authentic self. And that will be a blessing to everyone. Awesome. Great words to end on Julie Pyatt. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Thank you so much, Howard. I always enjoy being with you. You're a beautiful soul. And, uh, I hope to see you soon. Right back at you and love to the family. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. I really hope you enjoyed that interview with Julie Pyatt, and I hope you'll stay tuned tomorrow for the second part of the Plant Power Away series, the interview with Rich Roll. Upcoming shows include next week, Amy Hamlin, who is director of the New York Coalition for Healthy School Lunches, talking about bringing healthy food into classrooms. And it's a complicated issue with uh, many levels of obstacle, and she's been working tirelessly at it for over a decade. And it actually starts out with an interview that I did with her and published very non-widely in uh, 2006. And then we, we catch up nine years later to talk about what's changed, what hasn't changed, and what the landscape is for feeding our kids well. If you think about it, any any civilization that poisons its children, doesn't have much of a future. So this is a pretty big issue. Uh, And upcoming podcasts will be announced as they are um, released. And if you'd like to help this podcast out, help spread the word, you can do that in a bunch of ways. You can go to iTunes and rate it and uh, leave a review. You can share it on social media with friends, pretend friends, colleagues, family, And if you like, there's somewhere on the right of the website, there's a donation button. You can help pay for all the cool equipment that I use to record this podcast and hosting fees and a teeny bit of my time as well. So as the Northern Hemisphere spring slowly lurches forward into uh, full bloom, I hope you guys are out there planting. If not, um, going to farmer's markets, seeing what's coming in to eat in your local area that's, uh, that's local and fresh and hopefully uh, sustainably grown to feed yourself and your family and your community. And as always, be well, my friends.